But you've got those toilets in Japan where you fire water up your ass. But it's not one of those toilets. Yeah, but the, like some countries, you do put your shitty paper in the bin. Welcome. We are Neil, Luke, and Dave. Three forty-somethings reminiscing on the runners and riders of nineties guitar music. We look at the bands who soundtracked our youth on both sides of the pond and interview some of our heroes from the bands that defined a generation. You'll hear about the good, the bad and the ugly of 90s guitar music. This podcast is stupid and contagious. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Stupid and Contagious podcast. Something a little bit different. This is Wang number two. Um, we're going to do a bit of a grunge special. Um, not quite sure what that entails yet, but hopefully it'll be good. Yes, we do. We've got a, we've prepared it and everything. Don't okay. pretend it's off the cuff. I think Dave. we're on page page two of the script. We're on page two <laughs> of the script now. <laughs> it's going well so far. Uh, Dave, have you done a lot of grunge research this week? Well, I've done a bit. I had to go back and do a fair bit of research because some of the bands, I must admit, I haven't really given enough time to, but this week I have. So it's been it's been quite a journey for me this week, to be fair. I've started to dislike the word grunge. I like it. I really like it, but I know a lot of the bands didn't like it at the time. Luke, tell us what grunge is, was. Well, I mean, I've got, I got most of my information this week um, from uh, this book, uh, Grunge is Dead by... Uh, Greg Prato and other other places too. Um, how far do you want to go back? Let's just start with the origins of it for sure. Let's go all the way back. According to uh, to Greg, he traces it right back to the sixties. So you've got right. bands in that area, like um, Pacific Northwest in the US. You've got um, the, the Whalers. And my favourites, the Sonics. Do you, do you, do you know the right. Sonics? Not really, no. But what year are they from? Era. Um, early to mid sixties. What's that got to do with grunge? Well, here you go. So they were from that same area, and they're like wild kind of garage rock, basically. You know, so like even like when the Beatles were sing- still singing about fucking holding hands, they were talking about you know drinking poison and crazy shit. You know, um, just really ahead of their time. Really good, really raw. He traced it right back to those kind of bands. Because um, they're from the same area, basically, at Washington State in the '60s, and they kind of put the, the kind of the blueprint for like garage rock in the U in the uh, in the US. Um, also, I read um, Steve Turner at Mudhoney's uh, biography recently, and he goes yeah. on and on about um, like the Stooges, like Iggy Pop and the Stooges, who uh, he says are uh, like a massive influence on his sound. And as he's pretty much the, one of the main pioneers of the grunge sound, I think we. need you know, should listen to what he says, basically. So that's like in the 70s. Then you've got the influences from UK punk in the, in the, in the late 70s, like the Clash and the Pistols. Going into the early 80s, you've got uh, US hardcore bands like a Minor Threat, Black Flag especially. Um, so all of these sounds are kind of co-mingling and kind of into mm. what is going to be grunge. And then the final kind of piece of the puzzle is the kind of the glam and, and the metal sounds of, of kind of the mid-80s. And uh, that basically goes together there. From what I've read and what I've heard, obviously, it's, it's kind of a, yeah, it's the crossover between metal and punk, really, isn't it? It's that, those two kind of... Yeah, so Seattle had a couple of... Um, couple of big metal bands like Queensryche 
and Metal Church are from Seattle. <laughs> Queen's right. Seattle. Silent, silent lucidity. I add that. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. I find, I find it a bit of a stretch to say that the these obscure bands from the 60s uh, had an influence on grunge. I mean, Kurt used to cite the Beatles as an influence. Yeah, but that was more on like the songwriting and the, and the melody side of it. But, you know, if you're talking about like, um, so like it's seen, it basically it almost entirely came out of one kind of small city in like, you know, the northwestern corner of of America where, you know, bands didn't come out of them at that time. So if you've got that kind of model of like bands that were kind of making it big locally, however long ago, then it just gives you something to hold on to as uh, like when you're creating like a local scene. So basically you had these metal bands, like um, the bigger ones like Queensryche, there were smaller ones, uh, a couple of bands like Shadow and Overlord. Uh, I, think, I think Mike McCready out of Pearl Jam was in one of those. Can't remember which one. Okay. And so yeah. these kind of metal bands. And then there were a load of punk bands at the same time in Seattle. Um, yeah. Most of the punk bands Duff McKagan played in at some point. That's interesting because uh, Duff McKagan, he's a massive Alice in Chains fan. Carry on. There you go. Well, he was in loads of loads of punk bands um, at the time. Fastbacks often cited as one of the key ones. And when I was kind of I was listening back. Um, this week trying to kind of you know not only read about it but listen about it it was in a band called 10 minute warning and when i first heard those i was like well yeah that just sounds exactly like grunge to me it was kind of Mm. um very kind of kind of a slower heavier kind of version of of punk and um i think the idea was is that they they were they were a punk band but they could see the the market of like the metalers so they they wanted to be able to go and play at the metal shows and to kind of infiltrate the metal scene just just so, so they could play shows, right? So it's a conscious thing to to mix the two. Yeah, it's a conscious thing to kind of slow down their punk sound so they could, you know, kind of play whatever mm. these, you know, all dayers or whatever with with the metal That's groups. Um, other other the other groups that are usually cited in like the history of it. There's a band called the U Men, um, mm. who to me they didn't sound particularly grunge, but um, the, the key point there is the the guitarist had a uh, a Fender Mustang, which became the grunge guitar. You can see it all sort of coming together now, right? Yeah, but it's not there yet, right? So then you've also got no. a band called uh, Mr. Epp and the Calculations, which has uh, Mark Arm out of Mudhoney. Okay, yeah. here we go. Here we go. And they're kind of a much more kind of arty um kind of chaotic it's kind of you know we were talking to roddy at faith no more it's kind of like yeah. my image of what faith an early faith no more would have sounded like kind of like um, yeah, right. arty and kind of chaotic sound to it yeah. you know yeah that was his band and then also the guitarist that might only steve turner joined them um as well so all of these mm-hmm. bands were coming together but it still wasn't quite like a grunge sound um then there was, a, again, the uh, guitarist out of Mudhoney, Steve Turner, he had a band called the Ducky Boys, who he claims are uh, ground zero for grunge. It was him and um, Stone Gossard out of Pearl Jam was in them as well. So, so far, it, it's kind of all there and the kind of the, the punk and the grunge. So you've got a, mm. like coming from like h- hardcore and UK punk and it's all kind of there, but it's not quite there. And what they're trying to, what they were trying to do, is kind of go towards, kind of make like a post-hardcore sound, basically, mm. and how to do that um, that would, you know, sit sit with the metal crowd. And um, then the kind of the real origins of grunge started. But no one was like consciously trying to do that, right? It kind of happened organically. 
Well, that's the way it's portrayed, but I don't know. I think there's, it's, I, it seems to me there was consciousness of it. Not in a, mm. not in a kind of a, not in like a, what's the word? Not in like a exploitative way, but I think there was some kind of consciousness to it. It's interesting, the whole metal thing. Um, when people first said that the origins of grunge are, are kind of based around metal, I was a bit like, no, it's not. It's, it sounds nothing like it. But if you listen to bands like Malfunction, it's really sort of Black Sabbath. It's There's a lot of that in it. Are there, are there two sort of strains to it? Because some of the bands sound more punk. Maybe some sound more metal. I'm not really aware of it. So we're coming to the split. So you've got bands like um, like Malfunction, uh, Neil just mentioned, so featuring Andrew Wood. Um, it goes on yeah. to do Mother Love Bone. And they are very kind of kind of glammy, metally, but still with a kind of a, like a punk kind of uh, energy to it. It did sound like Black Sabbath, I thought. It was, uh, yeah, but yeah. and the, but the look was more like Kiss, right? The look yeah. was yeah, yeah, yeah. more kind yeah. of makeup and all of that, you know. So then we got uh, Green River. So they started in 1984, and they they featured basically four people that would that would be like the key the key to grunge. So Mark yeah. Arm and Steve Turner at Mad Honey. And then Jeff, Jeff Amend and Stone Gossard out of Pearl Jam and were yeah. all in Green River. Mark and Steve were basically the punks. <laughs> Jeff and Stone were the, were the metalers for, for want of a, you know, mm. to make it simple. Although Jeff claims he wasn't. He claims he was like a skate punk, but I, I think he was a, a metaler. But, uh, and so they were together for like three years. And basically um, the, the, the punks wanted to stay underground. Mark and Steve wanted to stay underground. Jeff and Stone basically wanted to sign to a major label and be rock stars right. and take it in a more metal direction. So they, they kind of split, although well, Steve had already left before that, but they, they kind of split along those lines. Great band, weren't they? Green River. They were, they were. Okay, what do you think? What do you think about them? I'm, I like I'm, them. I'm on the fence, go on. I, I think they do sound what they are. They sound like a more melodic mud honey because you can't separate... Mark Arm's vocal, can you? It's, it's That's too true. distinctive. Yeah. I think they sounded like a more melodic kind of mud honey. The guitars weren't as sludgy. Yeah, I, I guess a cross between <laughs> Pearl Jam and mud honey. I don't know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what's for me, what saves them is, is, is uh, Mark's vocals. But yeah. 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 yeah I think that they've def- they definitely did the right thing in splitting because mud honey and Pearl Jam are both better than Green River, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they yeah. split. Mud Honey became Mud Honey, and yeah, had this kind of raw, independent kind of sound going on. Um, the other two went on to do Mother Love Bone with uh, yeah. Andrew Wood from Malfunction, and we talked about Mother Love Bone's an interesting one for me. I don't think they really fit into the grunge scene at all, do they? They're, they're like a glam rock band. I love Mother Love Bone, but I, I wouldn't say they've got a particularly grungy sound. I don't think they sound metally or punk, really. Just kind of a glam rock sound. Yeah, definitely not punk. No, I don't think so. I, I think it's hard to put them in the grunge scene. What do you mm. think? Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking scenes as in areas, then they're from that locale. So I guess that does put them in the grunge scene. Um, we talked about it a few episodes ago, but yeah, Andrew Wood um, died. And there was still one more step, though, um, in this kind of group of kind of musicians that were all kind of playing together. So then um, there was Temple of the Dog. 
between Mother Love Bone and Pearl Jam. I was hoping hoping you were going to mention that. I guess that was the prelude to mainstream grunge, wasn't it? That was before mm. it all sort of really kicked off. But yeah, mm. I mean, it's a great album. You could just kind of see it all coming together in, in that album, I think. So Tim's Dog is basically most of what became Pearl Jam, but also Chris Cornell of Soundgarden as well. Mm. That's the origins and how it all got started, how it all came together and how it was basically an amalgam of kind of um, different kinds of, different strains of punk, um, history of, from the area and and metal, basically. Yeah, I was going to say that it throws up a lot of questions, the, the metal versus the punk. They're completely, di- like Pearl Jam versus Nirvana. They're completely different sounds and yet, they're supposed to be both grunge and it just doesn't seem right to me but they're not completely different are they well i don't know there's something like for example pearl jam i really like pearl jam but there's such there's a massive earnestness about Mm. it you know they're Mm. so serious and yet Mm. you look at kurt cobain and nirvana Mm. it's so much more punk like doesn't give a shit it's more about um, it's more arty, bohemian. Yeah, I guess like with any scene, there's there's sort of there's different spectrums. Can we just backtrack a little bit? Yeah, go on. Because you didn't mention Neil Young, who's Ooh, often cited as the godfather of grunge, isn't he? I don't buy it. I don't buy the theory. I think it's a retro, a retroactively kind of applied uh, label. I, I I've seen that mentioned a couple of times as well. If you listen to Harvest Moon, it ain't grunge. It's not, it's it? not. But he made a lot of other... I mean, if you listen to Rust Never Sleeps, then that, that is... Mm. It's, well, it's not. It's punk rather than grunge. But I think, like, mm. I think what Neil was really good at doing and still is really good at doing is he... Like most like old farts from the 60s, they, they, you know, they moaned about the young people. And he was always like in with the scene. So, for example, like, like around the time like Rust Never Sleeps came come out, I guess like 77, 78, something like that. Mm. So, you know, like when all like his contemporaries from the 60s were all kind of moaning and kind of, you know, go fading off into the background. He was over in London hanging out with the pistols and saying this is yeah. the best music ever, right? And the same yeah. thing happened with grunge, you know, that famous performance on the MTV Awards of them you know, I was gonna say, rocking in the free world with Pearl Jam, fucking right? fucking incredible, that is. That's my favourite live performance of all time, I'd say. Oh, man. Interesting. Yeah. Good it, though. That was, it was really good, right? Really Fuck good. It's the way he plays that guitar. I mean, that's grungy, isn't it? I would have said. But he's doing it to be part of the... He's learning from the young people. I think... So I, I hang on, yeah, Luke. I'm hang on. happy to yeah, go hang on. on. Didn't you just say that Neil Young was in London with the Sex Pistols? Doesn't that lend to the idea that he has got something to do with grunge? Yeah, I guess, I guess. But what I'm saying is he's really good at attaching himself to new scenes. And so if I'm saying that the roots of punk come from that and he was part of the punk scene, then Neil Young's part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So yeah, so basically you are you're saying that Neil Young is the godfather of grunge. It's not a bad description, and it doesn't matter that labels apply are applied afterwards. I mean, all labels always are, aren't they? And that, that performance is just incredible. It's one of those perfect performances, I say, anyway. The thing about that performance is I don't think any of it's contrived, uh, but even the smashing the guitars up at the end are spontaneous, I think. I'm pretty sure it was. The only problem with that, with that song... It, it, it's been ruined for me by uh, more Mushrooms Vicar. 
that guy that looked like um, the the guy out of um, Princess Bride, and he and he had a and he had a, he had a lisp. So it was, keep on walking in the free. Do you remember that? Keep on walking in the free world. Yeah. They weren't they weren't part of the grunge scene, though, were they? More <laughs> they were not. No, more mushrooms, Vicar. Was the name? Was the name? Oh right, okay. Um, so, but you'd say yeah, that that song's been ruined for me by by them. But, uh, so we got the big four. So the big four, well, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. So do you want to go through them one by one? You can give your give your opinion. I guess it, I guess with. in descending order. I guess I guess in in terms of popular, I guess Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana by popularity, maybe. Yeah. So okay, let's start with Soundgarden. Um, what do you reckon? Honestly. I think it's pretty pretentious. Never been a fan. Black Hole Sun is a good song. And that video was so good, right? I really love his vocal, always have. It's one of those bands where you think, oh, if only he'd have been singing in a different band. This is going to alienate a lot of people. I know there's a lot of people that love Soundgarden. It sounds like Led Zeppelin, right? His vocal's amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's it's, it's got a crazy vocal. They started way back in 84. Four, I think. I think they were like um, started off as a three-piece and gradually kind of like kept adding people. Yeah, I was never a massive fan. I've been listening to them yeah. um, last couple of weeks, and they've kind of grown on me a bit more. But yeah, they were always a bit too kind of uh, like classic rocky for my for my likes, yeah. my liking. Mm. Um, did you have a favourite Soundgarden track? <sighs> Not really. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I listened to quite a, a bit of it. During the week in prep, the only one I liked was Black Hole Sun. I think. No, I I, I genuinely would never listen to them. Mm. Um, we used to listen to them a lot round round our, round our mate Danny's bedsit, right? Yeah, Danny He's a loved them. Soundgarden fan. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. There's a lot of love for them, and I I, I yeah. appreciate that. It's just Danny will be switching off now, won't he? When we saw them support Guns and Roses, I can't. I just can't remember it. I just can't remember it. That's a good point. That's a good point. I remember Faith No More really, really I well. Faith I don't no have. A... I remember Guns N' Roses, but I do not remember Soundgarden at all. I don't remember any. That's of it. a really interesting point. I, I'm trying to. I'm, now you've kind of made me think. Do I remember? Got a vague kind of. Yeah, kind of. No, yeah. not that much. Yeah, yeah. Apologies to any diehard Soundgarden fans who expect us to come on here and get. <laughs> A glowing, glowing report of Soundgarden. But. Okay, next, Alice in Chains. I think Neil's the biggest Alice in Chains fans of us three, right? For me, Alice in, Alice in Chains, they were grunge. The guitars, his voice, just the songs. I don't know. Grunge, grunge isn't really a word, is it? There's no such thing as <laughs> no. a grungy sound. But that, for me, they did sound grungy. Well, they were definitely yeah. on the metal side of grunge. Okay, so well, we saw Soundgarden at Wembley. So we saw Alison Chains at Brixton Academy, right? Neil, do you want to talk about it? Picture the scene: fourteen grungers, fifteen, I guess we were at the time, waiting for for Alison Chains to come on. Screen goes white. Silhouette of Jerry Cantrell playing his guitar. Yeah, it came on to Nutshell, which wasn't out at the time, so no one really had heard it before. It's beautiful ballad yeah lane staley's silhouette comes on the screen that song kind of finishes bang screen goes down cargo net lane staley swinging into the crowd can't remember what song it was though what song was it can you remember i can't remember i don't remember yeah swinging into the crowd and it just everything went nuts and it was just a 
it was just a great, great gig. That's good. Much better than just saying incredible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Dave, are you a Alice in Chains fan? Yeah, I, again, I had to be, listen recently to remind myself of them. I didn't listen to them then except at Neil's house, you know, because he'd often have them on. I don't know him as well as you, but out of the four, I'd definitely put them above Soundgarden. But yeah, I prefer Pearl Jam and Nirvana, I think. Obviously, you've got mm. Dirt, but I also really like Facelift. I thought that was a really great album. If someone said, who was your favourite grunge band, that would be mine. All right. Favourite uh, track from Alice in Chains? One each, boys? Clichéd, but I'm going to go with Wood. I love it. I think it's a great song. Junkhead for me. Although, you know, it's, in hindsight, it's pretty It's pretty fucking sad, right? He, he, he seems to think he's invincible in that song. He's saying, like, people that don't actually do drugs but just kind of research and talk about it, they don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, if they actually did them, then everyone would be doing it. And he says, mm. you know, I'm fine. He, he was not fine whatsoever. What happened to him? Tragic story. He just died of uh, heroin overdose. He didn't um, just die of heroin overdose. He, he over many, many years, he mm. got he basically fell apart from doing heroin yeah. so like the reports were they're like you know people used to see like this guy looked he looked like he was like 75 years old like walking around the town yeah. his skin had gone gray he was like mid-30s and he looked like he was 70 his fucking fingers fell off just like that no i did not his fucking fingers fell off that is how like a bad of a state he was and when he died he was alone in a flat with his yeah, it's really sad. gray 70 year old skin and fucking missing fingers and that was the end of of his life and he just just it, it didn't it wasn't like a like like an instant thing it was over many many he didn't die until like 2002 yeah. 2003 so it went no, on no, for no, years it, and no. years and years it's a horrible horrible situation is heroin a part of the the kind of grunge scene as well was that part oh of it? it's it, completely it was a, it was integral a lot of, part of the story yeah it sort of started with andrew wood and then it it carried on all the way through didn't it there was a timeline, wasn't there, of tragedy, yeah. really? Tragedy. Which and is I think still it's going an integral on. part of the story, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? So, uh, of, our, of our first two, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, both of the front, both of the front men are now, are now no longer with us. Uh, Pearl Jam. Or oh, if you're American, Pearl Jam. They're a funny one for me because at the time, I wasn't really a fan. I know you were. When 10 came out, I was like, I was listening to Alice in Chains and I thought that was amazing. And Pearl Jam, and I was like, I'm not really keen on this. When Tin came out, I thought it was just like a flawless album. Just like, mm. you know, one of those things that just, one of those kind of debut albums that just seems like totally, like fully realised. Just if like, yeah, you know, like, like, like Bleach is not a fully realised album. You know what I mean? It's a band yeah, finding yes. their feet. Tin just seemed like, I don't know, it just seemed like this fully formed like amazing band with like perfectly written perfectly crafted songs on it you know i was gonna say their songs are really well crafted um lyrically brilliant songs and, and obviously you've got eddie vedder's vocal which is just insane anyway yeah and then like the live performances with him you know hanging off the rafters and all that kind of stuff but like dave said they, they were kind of over earnest weren't they yeah i think so but like i say that was then but since then they're probably the the grunge band I listen to 
most at the moment. I, I listen to Pearl Jam quite a lot now. I'd love to go and see them. They're still put on a really great live show, apparently. So, And they did all that cool stuff with Ticketmaster and stuff, right? Taking on like the um, the big corporations. Dave, Pearl Jam? Uh, well, opinion of them. Yeah, I, I really mm. like Pearl Jam. I didn't have that many albums then, but 10 was one of them. Because, you know, it was quite a lot of money and I didn't like buying albums unless I knew I was going to like it. But yeah, brilliant. That album is, I think, a very, very good album. Oh, now, now I, I think Ten's amazing. It's just back. And then, I think I Versus really... is really good as well. Um, yeah. I mean, Black is just fucking an incredible song. Well, that, that's my pick for favorite uh, Pearl Jam song. So, oh man, that, I mean, it's, it's kind of off quoted, right? The, uh, yeah, I know someday you'll have a beautiful life in somebody mm. else's sky. I mean, that's, yeah. it is a beautiful line, though, man, isn't it? That's that's so Amazing. good. It's so good. Lyrically brilliant song. Yeah. Dave, favourite Pearl Jam song? Well, I haven't, I, I haven't thought about it. I didn't know we were going to talk about favourites. Just pick one. Just pick one. It's not a big deal. It's, it's quite a big deal. I'm not picking one. Uh, Neil, favourite Pearl Jam song? I told you, Black. Oh, OK, we've got the same answer. OK. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, Dave could have agreed with us. It would have made it easier. <laughs> um, all right. We better get on to Nirvana then. That's a tricky. I, I think I'm more obsessed with Kurt Cobain than Nirvana. Mm. I do like Nirvana, uh, but I wouldn't sort of, I don't listen to them all the time. I don't listen to them like I used to listen to Alice in Chains either. I think they're, they're definitely the old one out in that four. Well, in mm. what way? Well, again, I guess I'm thinking of Kurt rather than the others. But just the di- the character is just totally different. More like a bohemian type artist. More like indie, aren't they? I mean, they come from like the indie scene, you know? Yeah, I don't know what I mean by what I've said. I think I know what you mean. I do. He's a, he's a powerful presence, right? Yeah, he's a bit of a Jesus figure, isn't he? Jesus wasn't white, Dave. People liked him, didn't they? A lot. He was very vulnerable, almost childlike. For for me, they're 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 probably my favourite band of all time. If I had to choose one, so I'm the opposite. I mean, I like Kurt, but I'm I'm more into Nirvana. I'm into everything they stand for, everything they did. Um, the well, that's songs. quite interesting because because you're quite. I would say that Nirvana are quite a mainstream band, right? Well, okay, so we can talk about this. So Nirvana didn't change anything. They they brought the mainstream to them. It wasn't their mm. fault that the mainstream suddenly accepted them. They didn't sell out at any point, however much Kurt beat himself mm. up over it. They didn't change mm. one thing. And what I, I don't know, the thing, the thing I like about Nirvana is they, you know, they were kind of like, like you say, had this kind of sensitive side mm. and they were kind of like representing, you know, the, uh, the outsiders and the, the ones that were, were uh, you know, not, not understood and then they they came out and said you know look at us we're the we're the outsiders and then suddenly Mm. you know there's a whole whole people rise up with them and say all these people that had never spoken before suddenly are you know are visible and i think that's a that's Mm. a fucking powerful thing to do to not only like a whole city but they've ended up doing it around the whole world and i think Mm. i don't know it's just amazing it's amazing what they did i think they were kind of they were a bit of an enigma weren't they like in interviews they they use these just answered questions with really stupid answers and no but i mean but well, that's that's you know that's tradition that the, going back to the beatles you know but they came from like the indie underground you know like you know, kurt had a tattoo of you know the k records logo on his on his arm and stuff mm. so i think you know they, that kind of indie aesthetic that diy indie aesthetic which i'm a big fan of um i, I don't know he carried that 
into the mainstream and without compromising. And it's, it was incredible, mm. I think. I mean, lyrically, I don't think you can beat Kurt Cobain. This would be a pretentious comment, but I f- it made me, I was thinking a lot about art and stuff and that scene and how, you know, he used his guitar in a, in a new way, in a completely new way, but I'm sure he could play it in a, in a more of a classical way as well, if he wanted to. But he was an artist. Like he did like, like in utero, he, he did this picture we're looking at. He did, you know, loads of the mm. art stuff. Right. So he was, he was an artist. He wasn't just a musician. He's just a creative guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's not just that, yeah. like, you know, Dave's drums are just like ridiculously oh, yeah, loud, yeah. right? It's just that walloping drum sound. It's incredible. It's a, sh- it's a shame you didn't stick to that, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but even like Chris Bass, you know, something like Come As You Are, like the bass line on that, man, it's just, oh, it's just unbelievable stuff. Yeah. Going back to Dave Grohl, I still think of Dave Grohl as the drummer in Nirvana and not the Poo Fighters. Going from that to that, just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I think he's an incredible drummer. And top top bloke. He's a nice, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, he's a really nice bloke. Oh, yeah, he's, a, he's an yeah. amazing guy. But yeah, Neil's right, the, the, the poo shiters are pretty bad. <laughs> um, favourite Nirvana tracks? Uh, favourite Nirvana song? I'm going to go Something in the Way. Ooh. Love See, I love an album that has like a, a, like a, a nice kind of downbeat closing. Yeah. It's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, I just think it's really nice just to listen to his vocal in that sort of, you know, without all those heavy guitars. Yeah, and it's based on his true experience, right? Like that when you know the the week that Nevermind hit number one in America, he was living in his fucking car, man. It was like it's incredible the Nirvana yeah. story. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And he was yeah living under the bridge, right? You know, in Seattle. Yeah, I just love that um, song, Dave. I might go for something from In Utero. Probably heart shaped box. Mm, good one. Good tune. Good one. Good tune. Yeah. Because I, you know, obviously I like Bleach as well, and never mind. But I just listen to Never Mind way too much, and I just great never... video as well. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, w- I don't even want to listen to Never Mind anymore because it just overdone it. Is it right that Heart Shaped Box was co-written with Courtney? Ah, oh, maybe. Is that don't right? Because I think Cole used to play it as well. Um, oh really? Because they both wrote it together. Yeah, I think so. That's interesting. My my answer is is lithium, and the reason is because of Dave. Go do on. you remember? You know, we I used do. to get together with uh, usually in I your do. house with guitars, and we used to record ourselves basically. So we did. We'd, right. we'd one of us trying to <laughs> trying to play in the, uh, lithium, and Dave just went berserk on uh, good word. Uh, singing he did it. go berserk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you and, remember, uh, Dave? What, me? You went more scream than Kurt Cobain. You went yeah. berserk. Well, I must have been completely in a trance because I don't remember it. So that, that gives it like a special place in, in my I heart. I do remember it. And it's a great song. It's a great song. Um, do, you, do you remember uh, when he died? Do you mean like in the yeah. sense, remember what you were doing when JFK mm. died type thing? Yeah, exactly what I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I just remember, weren't we down the hole in the wall? Yeah, I remember being there. I'm pretty sure. Talking hole in the wall's a pub, by the way, the local pub. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners. We didn't have the internet back then. It was being sort of banded around that he might be dead sort of thing. I don't remember that. I remember my mum coming into my bedroom and showing me the uh, article in the Daily Mail. 
and uh, just just didn't believe it. Just couldn't couldn't believe what I was reading. I kind of I think I was no. in, like in denial, you know. I it was one of those things. It was kind of inevitable, but not. I think Dave Grohl said this as well. He said they knew that this would happen, but even when it did, it was still like a shock. He was always teetering on the edge. Yeah, it was quite um, a big, a big shock or moment for me, and it was the that was the death that made me think I'm going to write all deaths now on my wall in my bedroom. Oh right, you did do that, yeah. How many did you get on the list? I can't remember who was on it now, but you know, as time went on, it got longer and longer. And then it, I remember that's fucking morbid shit, man. Yeah, yeah. But I remember after a while realizing how many of them were men. Like mm. there were hardly any women on this list, mm. and then you realize, you know, how many, how men just dominating um, mm. everything. Mm. That's well, when I first realized. Is, yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's a fucked up thing to do, though. Really fucking weird, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so that kind of brings us to the, the, the end of the story. So, so Kurt killed himself in 94, and by then, grunge was, was pretty much um, all over. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to add to the story that um, I didn't say because I was focusing on the bands a bit too much. So I think there's a couple mm-hmm. of points that uh, people kind of forget. One is, you know, a lot, a lot of cities have scenes, right? But we don't know about them. So mm. there was a UK journalist called Everett True. Um, uh, he used to mm. live in Brighton, actually, to see him at gigs. And um, right. basically he was kind of sent over there by, by the Melody Maker. Well, invited over, actually, by, um, by Sub Pop, who I'm going to talk about in a moment, um, to kind of cover the scene. And it wasn't really a scene at the time. And he kind of went over there, saw a couple of bands, came back and you know suddenly on the front cover was like you know grunge seattle scene and mm. it, it kind of blew up from there because he kind of like you know not made up the scene was there but he basically publicized it in in the uk okay and then like when mud honey came over to england like a couple of months later suddenly like they were like massive just because this journalist oh, okay. had kind of got so it out there so mm. you think um in a way, the UK kind of cemented the grunge moniker. Um, yeah, I definitely think so, you know, because if, you know, you can have a scene, but if no one writes about it, no one knows about it, it's not going to go anywhere, you know. So I think that's a huge part yeah. of it, which is often uh, overlooked. And the second part is uh, sub pop records, uh, which mm. it, it wouldn't, the grunge wouldn't have happened without sub pop, basically. Well, it isn't Bruce, Bruce Pavitt, isn't it? Or mm, Pravitt. Mm. Bruce, didn't he, he, came up with grunge i've got it written here he said yeah go on the word was first recorded as being applied to seattle musicians in july 1987 mm. when bruce pavitt described green river as uh their dry as a bone ep um as gritty vocals roaring martial amps ultra loose grunge that destroyed the morals of a generation yeah, which is pretty early on. That was like the only like the second like main release on Sub Pop, um, that Green River mm. EP. Um, so yeah, it was but kind it's of just put a passing in comment, really early on, wasn't it? Well, it's just you a know, like comment well, record labels write those things the whole time, right? They're kind of, kind of like the press yeah. releases to try to like big up their their releases, right? Yeah, Bruce Pavitt, Jonathan Poneman, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, but yeah, they started yeah, yeah. Sub Pop 
in 86, started off as like a magazine, a fanzine, also like with like cassette, compilation cassettes. Um, yeah, and basically every grunge band worth anything basically released stuff um, on mm. on sub pop. Like even some like the early bands we were talking about, they were released there as well. Green River was like the, the second kind of main one. Soundgarden was like next after Green River. Uh, Nirvana mm. released their first single. That Bleach was on sub pop. Just yeah, yeah, they yeah, iconic. they, they, they documented iconic. what was happening basically. There's no grunge without sub pop, is there? It's, it's an iconic part of it. Yeah, and they're still going, and they're still releasing great music, right? So, mm. some favourites of mine: yeah. Pissed Jeans release on there, Downtown Boys, <laughs> who I love. <laughs> Are you laughing at Pissed Jeans? <laughs> yeah, Pissed Jeans. That's the best. That's the band name. <laughs> I got their first album, uh, which is on Parts Unknown. And when they when they went on to Sub Pop, I was pretty I was pretty surprised. They even uh, released on their famous singles club um, a couple of years ago. My favourite uh, Kenyan techno industrial grinders, uh, Juma from Nege Nege Tapes, mentioned last week. So they released one of a couple of their tracks, unbelievably. Uh, Sleet Akini, um, Postal Service, Mud Honey are still still releasing stuff through them. Um, just still going. Just really important part of the whole story, you know. Out outside of the big four, you got well, of course, Hole. I th- I, I thought Hole was great. I really do. I think I quite Corny's liked him. Uh, quite liked him. great songwriter. Uh, good tunes. Good tunes. Um, L Seven. I liked L Seven a lot. Danny, our friend, Soundgarden loving friend, also a big fan of L Seven. I remember. Yeah, man, that Bricks are Heavy album is really good. Really good. They were like proper full-on grunge, right? Really good. Yeah, and then you got that infamous performance on Top uh, top of the Pop, on The Word, where she pulled her mm-hmm. trousers down. But people forget, right, she pulled her trousers down. But what else happened was they completely fell into the drum kit and just completely that's smashed right. everything. And that's like, yeah, you know, yeah, right. great stuff, you know. Um, we've talked about Mud Honey, I guess, haven't we? I think Mud Honey... Although I say that Alice in Chains, if I think about grunge, it's Alice in Chains. I think Mud Honey would maybe encapsulate grunge. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You've got, am I right to say there's punk and heavy metal stuff in Yeah, Mud I Honey? think so. Yeah, and they're well, and they all, they deliberate, you know, they weren't part of the big four deliberately. You know, they, like, they wanted to keep it underground and yeah, you got to respect that, you know. Do you think they wanted to or it just, it just happened that way? Oh, completely. I mean, that was that was part of the split in in Green River because they mm. they didn't want to go that that corporate route. Oh, I remember when you first played me super fast, super fast, big muff. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, man. Another band that we kind of overlooked, Dinosaur Junior. They grunge. Oh yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I I, I kind of like the um the kind of the kind of a washed out kind of stone kind of sound they had going on, right? Would you put Smashing Pumpkins as grunge? No. Right. Too pretentious. Um, Too pretentious, isn't he? Babes in Toyland? Yeah. I like Babes in Toyland. Veruca Salt? I mean, Caesar was their big hit, right? It was a great song. Okay. Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, they were undoubtedly a grunge band. Um, not from Seattle, but um, yeah. Danny loved Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. I'm not a fan personally. I, I think the timing was just really bad. It looked like they were just copying. I just think they just weren't very good. <laughs> That's the main problem. But loads of people, they got, a lot of people really like them. Yeah. So there's no dispute in that. Yeah, I just thought they were a bit shit, yeah. 
But yeah. I, I also did think that they were just sort of trying to sound like everyone else. But yeah, no, I'm not a, not a big fan. I know everyone loves that Scott Weiland, but he was a good yeah. front man, but... I don't know. They're just yeah, just a bit shit. There's no none of the songs were very sort of memorable. Dave Stone Temple Pilots. Agree. Don't like them. Um, Neil, you wanted to talk about Pond. I did. I never heard of them before. Before we'd started this podcast, and see, I had heard of them, but I'd, I'd never listened. Yeah, so I had a listen this week, and I think that they sound more like a British band. So I thought they were sort of a bit more mel- melodic. They sounded a bit like sort of Mega City 4 or Centralist things or something like that. I thought they were a great band, but I didn't really hear any grunge, grunge in it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it as well. But yeah, I, yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah. Blind Melon? Uh, Blind Melon. We might be speaking to someone from Blind Melon, hopefully, soon. <laughs> was it grunge, was it? I guess it wasn't. It was just the time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There was that MTV Awards where it was all grunge. It was Nirvana, Pearl, Pearl Jam. Jam and Neil Young. Mm. And I think they were on that MTV Awards at a similar time with that that girl dancing around in her B costume. That was iconic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, a great great Mm. band, great song. Mm. But I don't. I wouldn't say that they were grunge. Lemonheads. Lemonheads were they grunge? Were Lemonheads grunge? I mean, sometimes their sound was super grunged up. Other times it wasn't. Right. I fucking love the Lemonheads, though. You know when they. Did Mrs. Robinson on um, the word grunge that? Yeah, they did. Mm. So good. Just great songwriting, the Lemonades. Really good. Maybe we should be asking, instead of grunge or not grunge, how much grunge and give a percent. Okay. <laughs> okay. If Pearl Jam were 100% grunge, Lemonades would be 40%. 40? Grunge. Yeah. Neil, I know you're a fan of Silverchair. They were at the end. Well, they came around at the end. 95, I think they released Frog Stomp. I know they get a lot of shit for people just say, oh, they're just trying to sound like Nirvana, blah, blah, blah. But I'm quite a big fan of Silverchair, and I think Daniel mm. Johns is a really good songwriter. I, I, I really rate him. He's a really good guitarist. I thought they had a really good sound. Grunge? Yeah, I guess it was. I don't know. But obviously they're from Australia, so... Give it a percentage. Percentage Grunge, 75. How about Soul Asylum? Uh, worst live gig I ever went to. I think I t- said this on another one. It was. I quite like Soul Asylum, but they were terrible live. Just put put some detail on that. Why why were they so bad? Just really unmemorable, really boring. So what do you remember about them being unmemorable? I remember it being boring. <laughs> That's the thing. That's my memory. So it must have been boring. Did they do Runaway Train? Yeah. 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 Well, this is some really good tunes. Yeah. Somebody to shove it, or is it someone to shove? I can't remember. I always get it wrong. Um, somebody, I think. Somebody to shove. Yeah, it did some good tunes, but yeah, I just didn't really like them live. 30% grunge, perhaps? 30, 40%. <sighs> I wish, but the look was grungy, wasn't it? I'd, I'd go for mm. 50 or 50 to 60. Oh, Tad. Someone bought it, uh, someone bought it up in the group. I thought that they sound, I think they sound a bit like therapy. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, but on the heavier side, I would say. Uh, in more ways than one. The, the singer's quite a big man. guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I like, no, that's true. I mean, I, I think, I, not that I didn't get into them, I just don't really know them that, that much. But what I have heard of them, I think I liked. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I like their yeah. I like their vibe. So, obviously, we've spoken about most of the players in the in the grunge scene that people have probably heard of. But there's a few honourable mentions 
um, that people in the group, in the Facebook group, have brought up. Um, Screaming Trees, great band, right? Great. Wow, well, I've got Mark Lanigan, great, great voice. I kind of, when I had listened to them, I haven't really listened to them much in the past, I must admit, but I've given them a good listen over this last week. I, I say they sort of kind of kind of like a cross between Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains. Yeah, they they're a cleaner sound than their name suggests, right? Yeah, I think so. They had like the 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 well-crafted songs like Pearl Jam, but his vocal is just crazy, right? Yeah. Ma- yeah. He he died recently as well, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, you like Screaming mm. Trees, don't you? Yeah, I mean again, I didn't listen to him then, but been listening to him recently. Uh, that that was one of my the best ones I thought that I've sort of rediscovered. I think they're really good. I thought he I sounded mean, like stereophonics in some of those songs. Uh maybe. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You played me a couple where did yeah, it really did sound like uh, Kelly Jones, is it? Yeah, Kelly that's Jones. right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Or Kelly Let's Jones sounds like that. him, perhaps, you should say. Yeah. <laughs> another one's another one I got down here is obviously Melvin's. I see, I wouldn't put them as in, in with Grunge. They were before you know? Grunge. No. Okay. No. I didn't like them much. I'd say they, they're much more sort of heavy, like metal, sort of double kick drums, you know, sludgy well, guitars. Kurt, Kurt was a massive fan. Um, heavily yeah. influenced. Yeah. A bit more arty kind of sound. A bit more arty kind of thing going on. With yeah, it sounded, the singer Buzz, Buzz Osborne, he sounds a bit like um, Dave Mustaine, I think. You reckon? Negative, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. A bit. interesting, interesting. All right, Skinyard, a band that I'd, I'd I'd never listened to until this week. Um, yeah. yeah, what do you reckon? Same. Mm. Yeah, I think you can really sort of hear the the grunge sound evolving in that band, uh, mm, or devolving like, possibly. Yeah, they kind of sound <laughs> bit bit Mud Honey, bit Alice in Chains, and a bit Nirvana, mm-hmm. but nothing special. Right? Nothing uh, unique to of their own. I think for me, for me. You can see why maybe they got overlooked a little bit because, yeah, they didn't really mm. bring anything new to the table, I guess. But then you've got other bands that you wouldn't really call grunge, but they're kind of associated like Sonic Youth and... Ah, Sonic Youth. We didn't even talk about Sonic Youth. I mean, they're not grunge, right? But I'd say they're more like Nirvana than some of the other bands yeah. we're talking about. Well, yeah, they're Sonic rock, Youth. right? Mm. Yeah. Sonic Youth are a difficult one because they're kind of someone brought up the uh, Dave Markey documentary 1991 the year that punk broke which I remember watching back in the day Dave you said you watched it this week what do you reckon yeah it was it was, it was interesting to watch um, but that's when like sound uh, Sonic Youth and Nirvana were well, they're all hanging out together well Nirvana were the up and comers right and like Sonic Youth were their heroes you know yeah, very much so, yeah. That whole documentary is kind of curated by Sonic Youth, I guess. Yeah, the Thurston Moore guy, I think, is it the bassist mm. or the guitarist? Yeah. He's yeah. It's basically him yeah. um, talking to other members of other bands. So, I mean, I think the grunge scene ripped off a lot of what Sonic Youth did. Sonic Youth, are always, they always did their own thing and always had yeah. that. Great, great band. Love Sonic Youth. <laughs> You know, I haven't seen that 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 documentary for whatever thirty years. But the one thing I remember about Dave, you're gonna have to confirm something for me. So there was one scene, and they're backstage, and they they show the camera shows up a, a poo in the toilet. Yes, is this in right? But and then, but the thing is, it's just a poo, and then they then they flush it. But, but I always wonder. But what about the paper? 
there's no paper, it's just a poo. So the person must have pooed, but not, not wiped their ass. Well, maybe, well, maybe it's bothering me ever since. Like You've in got Greece. those toilets in Japan where you fire water up your ass. But it's not one of those toilets. And even, even if you put f- the paper in the bin. Yeah, some countries do do that. That's weird, isn't it? But you still need to wipe your ass, even with the Japanese toilet. Yeah, but the, like some countries, you do put your shitty paper in the bin. It's True. Horrible. Yeah, okay. I don't, think, okay. I don't know if you do that. Maybe they're in one of those countries. How on earth did you remember that detail anyway? Because it's been bothering me that they hadn't wiped their ass for he wants the last an answer. 30 years. I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We need to address the post-grunge um, okay. bands, even though some of them, they were out at the same time. But they, they, I guess the the the, uh, the next stage of the sound, which makes it puts them into the post-grunge. So, I mean, we've got like, and a lot of, we've got like um, Creed, Stained, Matchbox <laughs> 20, Puddle of Mud, Candlebox, yeah. Nickelback, right? All of Shit. these, all of They're these all bands. They're rubbish. Oh my god! So I'd never, I'd never once heard Candlebox until yesterday. I listened to it yesterday. I that was honestly, grunge. I think it's the worst music I've ever heard in my life. I couldn't believe how shit it was. I knew it was going to be bad, but I was just sitting at my computer, open mouthed at how just completely awful the whole fucking thing was. I watched this interesting article on Nickelback and how they're the most hated band in the world and it's quite something to be the most hated <laughs> band in the world it's quite an it? achievement yeah. yeah why do you think it is is it is it the goatee well this was the that, this was the whole article they were trying to work out exactly what it was about it what's their big hit what's their big hit it's too late to be sorry this is how you remind me isn't it oh right yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, how about, what about Bush? Are they post-grunge or are they are they grunge-grunge? When were they around? Were they around late 90s? Early, early, early to mid. Well, they were a weird one, weren't they? Because they're English, but England, we hated them over here. They weren't bad in hindsight. I like Gavin Rossdale. I think he's quite good. Yeah, I think they did some good tunes. How about like Creed and Stained and that kind of stuff, man? Have you ever listened to them? It's bad, isn't it? It's it's almost indescribable. It's 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 like well, they just put on that really annoying voice and that's it. Yeah, and it's nothing just like really else. Really boring songs. It's really boring. Just like you think Pearl Jam are earnest. This is like the most gosh, fuck, oh man, mind-bendingly yeah, over earnest fucking. Yeah, they're trying. Oh, they're God. trying to come across as really profound and like yeah, emotional yeah. songs, but there's no substance to it. It's just shit. They're just singing about utter shit. So cliched. What was the one I listened to yesterday? I can't even remember who it was. I think it was Creed and it was like, my my pain is self or something. So, oh my God, just shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Who are we blaming for this, you know? Is it, well, you, well, no one, right? You can't blame Kurt for, for, inflict for this kind of stuff, you know? It's the nah. antithesis to everything he stood for, you know? Yeah, quite often when when scenes finish, record companies really try to keep them alive for as long as they can. Mm. It was kind of that, those, that sort of mid to late 90s, that's when Britpop took over though, wasn't it? So we weren't really listening to any of that shit anyway. Yeah, yeah, but I think they were pretty big in, in America, most of those bands. Luckily, mm. we, were, we were saved uh, saved from there. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe you could think of grunge was a bit of a, a bit of a, an anomaly in America that 
just for that brief time, they started liking some music. similar stuff to us. Yeah. <laughs> and then it you reverted right. to mobs. Um, shall we wrap up? I was going to suggest each picking a favourite album and a favourite track okay. from, from the grunge era. Favourite grunge song? I'm going to go for Lithium again. Uh, I love everything about mm, it. I like the... Down, uh, it. Well, it's got the quiet, loud dynamics. It's got that kind of... It's got. I think it's got everything that made what Nirvana are great in, in that song. And uh, I just love it. Mm. Okay, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Black. Just it's the it's whenever I listen to that song, it does take me back to that that period. I always think songs that take you back to a certain time. There's something about that. It's just a beautiful song. It is, and it's like the, it's almost like the ultimate like teenage boy breakup song as well, isn't it? So yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, I'm going to go with a song that's probably not really very many percent grunge at all, no. but uh, about a girl. Off oh, nice. That's an interesting one. I just wouldn't have yeah. said you were going to go with that. But it's not really the hot spirit of grunge, perhaps. But Oh, and of course that. it is. Of course it is. It's great. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's such a perfect pop song about a girl. Mm. It's great. Two Nirvana uh, songs in there. There you Two go. Nirvanas and a Pearl Jam. Um, okay. Um, Favourite album? Dave, do you want to go first? Yeah, this is a bit of a cheat because I hadn't heard of them at the time. But I think it's a good album. Sweet Oblivion, Screaming Trees. Mm. Oh, you love Screaming Trees, don't you? you yeah, become I mean, hooked. That's good. That's good. Through this podcast, you got hooked on Screaming Trees. Mine is not really an album, but it's 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 Mud Honey, Super Fuzz, Big Muff, plus early singles. It's got to be plus the early singles, even though it was an EP rather than an album. It's pure grunge, and I like the the chaos, the chaos of it, and it's just got great, great songs. You know, Touch Me, I'm Sick. Uh, in and out of grace, burn it clean. My favourite one, hate the police, kind of a anti yeah. anti police song back then. Ah, uh, just ah, uh, just I know it's almost perfect. It's just yeah, it's, so, it's a great, big great plus early singles. Great, great record for sure. Yeah, it was a toss up between that and Dirt for me. I've gone with Dirt. Okay. I just love Alice in Chains, and I just think that's a great, great album. Can I ask you a question? You know, like if you see like grunge groups and stuff on Facebook. Do you think there's like a weird like sexualization of Lane Staley? You know, him with his top off and stuff and they're like Lane wink. That's and interesting. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's only him. It's become like hmm. kind of hyper-sexualized and like fetishized. This, you know, Maybe. very young man as he was at the time. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. It's it's weird. So I'm but ruining a... your um, your pick, but uh, going off no, on a tangent. No, you're not. There is a bit of an obsession with Lane Staley in general. Uh, apart from Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley, everyone always obsesses over him. But there's uh, there's yeah. a weird sexualized element to it, which I I'm, I don't mm. find slightly uncomfortable. But yeah, for me that album, his vocal, Jerry Cantrell's guitars, heavy in it, but but beautiful at the same time. Really well produced yeah. album, I think. Remember when it first came out? When I first heard it, I, I just I wasn't disappointed. And I like the fact that the big hit is the last song on the album. Yeah, but then you've got like Rooster and stuff like that on it. It's just a really great album. All the songs on it are really well crafted and I just really like it. And for me, yeah, that that gig and that band and that album uh, epitomised that era for me. You sound pretty emotional, Neil. Taking me back. Yeah, yeah, that's good it. That's our take on the grunge thing now obviously 
we probably haven't covered everything everyone like like all of these sort of things we're just three people talking about music if we have forgotten anything just cut, leave it in the comments start a conversation if we've made any errors keep it to yourself yeah shut up <laughs> uh, let us know which bands you were listening to back in the day i think you can probably hear from our conversation you know we we really love this this area this era of uh of music um yeah hopefully it came across if you are listening to this podcast then please do leave us a review or rate it i don't know if you can do that for each episode or you just do it for the the podcast in general i'm not sure luke do you know i don't know i'm not sure well whatever you can do then then do that because it helps other people finding the podcast if you're watching on youtube then please do like um and subscribe to the channel and leave a comment and start a conversation about grunge in the comments below. Don't forget to listen to the mixtape. I put to, we've talked about so many bands. It's probably going to be a long mixtape, but um, yeah, don't forget to listen to that. That's it for this one, Dave. See you in a minute.